yeah, Titanium, helping you to become unbreakable in your life. That's what we do every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. You are tuned in to America's Positive Radio talk show, David Essel Alive. David Essel in the box with you. Broadcasting live out of Studio E in Los Angeles, California for the past 22 years, bringing you thoughts and ideas and amazing guests to help you make the best decisions to move forward with your mind, your body, your spirit, finances, and more. Proud to be part of the premier radio network, XM Satellite Radio 168 is where you may be listening to us on. And if you don't have XM, your subscription yet, you can let your friends know. They can also listen to us at talkdavid.com, talkdavid.com. Every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific, 1-800-548-8255, 1-800-548-8255. Going back into the topic that we started the show with, the Boston Marathon, the tragedy that occurred, um, my next guest is a former Boston College track star, turned musician as a matter of fact he he um, did a song in the soundtrack for jim carrey's movie we're going to play it right now uh me myself and irene gonna just sit back and listen this is uh ellis paul The world ain't slowing down. Ellis Paul, the artist. You can check out more on Ellis at ellispaul.com. Ellis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. So a former college track star turned musician. You became a musician because you got injured, correct? Yeah, I, I was. I had studied trumpet and other instruments earlier on in my life, and uh, that, that injury brought me back to a guitar, and then I started playing and writing songs, and I've been doing it ever, ever since. Yeah, I love that song, by the way. Thank you. I thought you might. It seems to fit with a lot of the stuff that you're talking about on the radio here. Dead on. The world ain't slowing down. Dead on. That is so true. Now, you were at the Boston Marathon, Ellis, and you were there to support a friend of yours, world-famous marathoner, Joan Benoit. Yeah, I went to, uh, went to see um, the marathon, and I was hoping that I would catch Joni. Sometimes people fly by under the radar. You don't even know that they went by it, but I did see her, and, uh, you know, she said a world record time for 55-year-olds for the marathon, which was amazing. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's incredible. She's been running forever, hasn't she? She has. She won the uh, Olympic Women's Marathon in 1984, and she ran 250 at this year's Boston Marathon, and I was so happy for her watching her fly by. I was right around BC at the 21-mile mark when I saw her go. Yeah, and and that and at that moment when you saw Joan and you're at the twenty mile twenty one mile out of twenty six point two mile race, ladies and gentlemen, you're at the twenty one mile um, mark. What what's the feeling of being at the Boston Marathon, Ellis? What's the feeling at that moment? What can can you describe it for those of us that have never been to it? Well, there's a lot of celebrating going on. I'm I'm right at the edge of Boston College there, so it's I'm pretty much surrounded by. Um, college students who are happy and, and drinking and celebrating and um there was a lot of police there um everyone was in a great mood it was a pretty good day there was a little bit of a handwind so it was a little bit harder for times to be fast but other than that it was a pretty cool day and uh you know as a somebody who 
you know, knows the history of running and um, has been to see the marathon several times. It's it's always inspirational for me to be standing there and watching people do what they do. Um, I can't remember that the gentleman who pushes his son, his disabled son, through the marathon went by us, and, you know, I see him every year, and, right. and then seeing Joni go by, and she was just rocketing by, um, and mm. I knew she was doing some serious running there, so it, it was really inspiring. Yeah. And and the 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 amount of people at that twenty one mile mark. I mean, is it crammed? Is it is it like wall to wall people? Is there space? What's it like? Well, you know, it, the marathon varies. Um, there are places where the crowds kind of pool, um, and we were probably a quarter of a mile up from the Boston College T stop, which is sort of the entrance of the campus, and. You know, within uh, just a square mile area, there were probably several thousand people. It was completely dense there. But up where I was, um, up where I was standing watching the marathon, it was just kind of a straight line of people. There was nobody behind me, no one in front of me, um, but a steady stream of people. I would I would call it a stream. But you know, every every mile or so, there's there's a little bit of a, of a pooling of people. Um, you know, at Wellesley College, at Cleveland Circle. And then it gets more and more dense as you're getting closer to the finish line. Yeah, and and then and then you left the race. Is that correct? After she went by, did you, did did you guys take off or did you stay? Uh, we had uh, I had a show up in Maine, so we had to leave fairly soon after she uh, went by us. But she was the last of the people that I wanted to make sure I saw. So, um, mm. and, and Boston College made a, a an easy getaway for us to get to the highway. That's why we didn't go to the finish line. Okay. It's a really, and, you know, at the finish line, it's hard to get anywhere because the streets are all closed and the crowds and the, and the, and the traffic is incredible. So. Right. So you're five miles away from the finish line and you decide to get back into your car. And then what happened next? Well, I was driving up to Maine and um, I was driving with a friend of mine and we were talking about the race, trying to figure out um, who the final finishers were. We were checking on the top 10 men and the top 10 women to see where Americans finished. And then I got a phone call from uh, my manager's office. And uh, my manager, one of my managers is a, is a runner as well. And she called me to tell me about the explosions. Mm. And then we turned on the radio and then we listened to the news and uh, just followed it from there on out until we got to, to the show. So as, a, as, as an athlete and a former college track star yourself, co-captain Boston College, what went through your mind when you heard that? Well, the station, I knew what crowds were going to be like down there. I, I always thought that a marathon would be a kind of a dangerous place as far as a terrorist target, but I never thought it would happen here in the States. Tomorrow is the London Marathon, and it's right. an, even, right. an even larger um, marathon as far as the number of people involved. So um, I thought it might be somewhere like London or God knows where else, but... Um, you know, there's there's anger, there's frustration, there's worry because uh, you know I have a lot of friends who run, and um, I'm afraid of what it's going to do to the marathon and and all, all marathons and all road races in future years. You know, I, I, obviously we're going to have to be even more vigilant as far mm-hmm. as protecting the people. And uh, so, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of anger, frustration. I was upset, and uh, and unfortunately, I've been addicted to the radio ever since. So. I haven't slept mm. much in the last few days. I spent last uh, the last couple of days just glued to the radio um, throughout the whole night, and uh, so now I'm, I'm I'm happy it's over and uh, and exhausted. 
Yeah. And and you you look forward right right now we're talking to Ellis Paul musician former college track star Boston College and you look now and the tragedy is gone. It's been a number of days since that. Now last night they they catch the final uh terrorist. His brother had died the day before. They catch the younger one last night. And feelings today as you and I are on the air talking about this, the culmination of feelings over the last several days, and what goes on in your mind today as a as a former athlete? What, what's what's going on with you now? Well, I, I think we all are in this state of um, it's not survivor's guilt; it's it's sur- surrealism guilt, maybe in a sense. It's it's like did, did this really happen? It sounds like it's so scripted from some kind of Hollywood script that. Um, you know, and that we all got sucked into, and, and now it's like it, it, you're kind of like trying to put the pieces of your lives back together. I spent the, the day seeding my lawn, and I couldn't escape all of the carnage. You know, my, my manager's office is in Watertown. All of this stuff t- took place oh. in a few blocks. The wow. The police were surrounding his place. They had, you know, he couldn't get into work, and my producers... Right. Um, Ellis, Ellis, I'm going to have to ask you to hang right there. We're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back with Ellis Paul talking more about his experience of being at the Boston Marathon. You're tuned into America's Positive Radio Talk Show. I'm David Essel. Stay right there. The world ain't slowing down. That's uh, singing that is my guest, Ellis Paul, uh, from the soundtrack of the Jim Carrey movie, My, uh, Me, Myself, and Irene. And actually, ladies and gentlemen, Ann Layton, who's a, a publicist, a very, very good friend of mine, is who hooked me up with Ellis Paul to be on the show when uh, when she found out that I was looking to talk to people who had actually been at the Boston Marathon. Ellis, looking into the future now, you, you sort of referred to this uh, a, a few minutes ago. How in the world could any marathon be be so protected security wise that this couldn't happen again? You know, I don't. I don't think you can. I think. Um, I think that was probably one of the most protected marathons in the world, um, and yeah. especially down around the finish line. You know, they had they had a, a bunch of bomb sniffing dogs. They had um, you know undercover people walking around. So I, I can't imagine there's any real way to protect. A marathon. It's just too long. It's it's not like it's an enclosed, you know, auditorium where people can be screened going in. Right. It's twenty six miles and several hundred thousand people, and I don't think you can. I, is this gonna like you come from the running community? Um, are runners of such a mindset that this will not affect the majority of them? Because I, I you know, runners are different. <laughs> marathoners <laughs> come marathoners come from a different side of the track bro and uh and would would they this do. be something they they would just go you know it's it's part of the risk of living and i'm not going to stop do you think that's the way the majority of them will look at something like this yeah absolutely i, I don't think the marathoners will will uh 
will lessen any in, in their efforts to to go out there and do them. I, but I do think it'll it'll affect how the like I said the crowds and those little pools of people that collect at certain vantage points they'll have to be they'll have to be protected in in, in a different kind of way. But um, I, I don't exactly know. You know, I, I haven't thought of any solutions other than just having people be vigilant and maybe doing a little crowd control in those spots. Yeah. Is there anything, a final question for you, Ellis, is there, is there anything whatsoever that you could recommend to our audience in regards to moving forward from the tragedy? Well, you know, um, I think keeping faith and, and, and trusting in, in the good side of life. I mean, I, I think one, one thing that, you know, I, I learned from watching all this is, is that technology is putting us in a, in a safer place. I think nice. collectively we were all involved in, in watching this story and all these witnesses were coming in and, and identifying the culprits. And, um, and and so it happened so quickly. I mean, these guys could have been out of the country in a few days and they were planning to be out of the country. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of ways we're safer. And uh, But, you know, there's going to be evil in the world and, and uh, you just got to shine as much light and be vigilant and, and uh, hopefully we can we can counter all of it. Right on. Well said. Ellis Paul, for more information on Ellis, go to his website, ellispaul.com. Ellis, wonderful to meet you, and thanks so much for sharing your information and story on our program. Thanks, David. Enjoyed hearing you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye now. 1-800-548- 8255 1-800-548-8255. The, uh, uh, what, I, I think he's dead on, and I want to re- repeat this, and this is something that we said at the top of the show. The percentage of pure evil in this world compared to the percentage of pure greatness and love is absolutely minimal. I know this with my heart. Because of the fact that it gets so much attention it seems like that's the predominant face of this world. It's not, ladies and gentlemen. But remember this. Whatever you watch, read, think, and do the most, you become. So that's why we're asking everyone now, cut back on the media coverage. Cut back on following the story. Pray. If you have nothing else to do with your time, pray. You know, if you have nothing else to do, if you say, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? Pray for the people that have suffered, for the families of those who had suffered. Pray. Put, 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 put your mind to work and your heart to work and your soul to work. But diminish the time you put into this story, and I promise you, you'll have a much more powerful effect on this world if you do so. Look for the greatness. Make a difference in your neighborhood. Do what you know is right. And if you're not used to making a difference in your neighborhood, this is the time to start. One eight hundred five four eight eight two five five. One eight hundred five four eight eight two five five. Um Lots of your emails. We're going to try to get to a few of them right now. Uh, you described a few weeks ago that if a couple is going to separate, there should be guidelines. What are these? Okay, let me, let me tell you this. Separation without a plan is a walk towards divorce. If you're separating without a plan, if you're saying, you know what, I can't handle this anymore, I need time out, fine. But if you don't have a plan, you're walking towards a divorce. So what do I mean by that? When you separate, number one, put it in writing, you're going to stay monogamous with each other. I mean this sincerely. Don't just say it, put it in writing, number one. Number two, pick a time frame for the separation. You might say 90 days, you might say six months, but pick a time frame that the separation starts today and it will end at this time. In between... 
now and the time of the end of your separation, continue for each of the two couple, the individuals in the couple to work with a professional, a counselor, a coach, a minister in order to get to the bottom of the issues within their relationship to heal them. And then when the time period is up, come back together in front of a professional to try to work it through. Okay. I'm glad you asked that question. It's crucial. Too many people separate without any type of guidelines. They're done. The marriage is over with. 1-800-548-8255. What's the difference between, oh, yes, we've talked about this a lot, um, time management and priority management. You had a LinkedIn quote about this. Yes, you know, on Facebook. As a matter of fact, on Facebook, like our page, David Essel Alive, LinkedIn, it's David Essel. But Facebook is where we put a lot of information free seven days a week. And we posted this on Facebook as well. Time management is good. But it doesn't mean that you're going to move ahead in life. All it means is that you've learned how to get organized with your disorganization. <laughs> and I'm serious, right? Time management's good. It's good to be managed. It's good if you don't have any kind of schedule to start a schedule somehow, some way. That's good. But it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Priority management, though, is different. Priority management is that when you set your day to do the most important tasks first, and they're often the ones that you don't want to do. They're often the ones that you have procrastinated on. Priority management says, I'm going to write out a schedule for my day, and I'm going to put the most important tasks up front, the ones I don't want to do. And when you do this, your life will radically change. I guarantee it. I guarantee your life will start to radically change when you do priority management versus time management. Time management doesn't do it, man. It doesn't do it. Uh, oh, this is interesting. I just started a relationship with a great guy. We have been using condoms. We go, both agreed to be monogamous. How do I ask him to be tested for STDs? Uh, I'm clean, which is sexually transmitted diseases. I'm clean. Uh, I have not been in a relationship for two years. He says he's clean, but who knows really? And you know what? It's not only who knows for him, even though you haven't been in a relationship for two years, it's also who knows for you because some STDs can lay dormant. Herpes is a famous one. It can lay dormant until a stressful situation and then it can come out. Um, this is the answer is I'd say, let's both go get tested. If I was in your shoes, I would say to him, to your boyfriend, you know what? I think now that we've been using a condom, I'm trying to think if it says how long. Uh, just started a relationship. She doesn't say how long. So, you know, we've been using condoms, and if you're game to not using condoms since we're in a monogamous relationship, how about if we both, both of us, go get tested for STDs. You can do it through your doctor. There's standalone blood testing facilities that you don't have to involve your doctor. But I think the best way to present it is let's go together, or if not together. You know, holding hands into getting a blood test for STDs may not be the most romantic thing you could do, but I would say definitely at least say, let's go next week and get them done and we'll compare our end results. You're tuned in to America's Positive Radio Talk Show every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Now, all of our guests that we have on the show, you can find out more information at talkdavid.com. And I'll even give you one step better. When you go to talkdavid.com, you can listen to all of our archived X. Positive radio shows. Go to talkdavid.com. Coming up, sex trafficking in the U.S. of A. I'm David Essel. Stay there.
Helping you to become more alive in every area of your life. That's what this program has been doing for 22 years. And we want to thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out. David Essel in the box with you. 1-800-548-8255. 1-800-548-8255. Hey, if you want to listen to the show on your smartphone, your iPhone, your Android, go to talkdavid.com. Click on the XM link and you'll find all the directions on how to join our text club once you're a member of the text club and it's free, doesn't cost a penny, you can listen to your show on your smartphone, to our show, on your smartphone, anywhere you may go. Think about it. 800-548-8255. I had no idea. My next guest, uh, Linda Sullivan, co-founder and president of BEST, B-E-S-T, BEST Stop Tracking, Trafficking. It's all about stopping sex trafficking. I had no idea until I knew I was going to have Linda on the show, that there was over 150,000 sex slaves in the USA from 2001 to today. If, if someone would have asked me, I mean, do you have any idea how many sex slaves are going? I go, oh, from other countries, there might be that many, but never in the USA. That shocked me. Linda, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, David. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having yes. me. Yes. So you're how so you? welcome. I'm doing good, honey. That's that's a mind-blowing number, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. It's just a, a horrific thing that's going on in the world, and it's in the United States. It's in every single state in the United States, and it's also in other countries. It's worldwide. Yeah. Now, when we look at ages, the average age, Linda, of, uh, and I'm going to assume it's predominantly women, would that be a, a safe guess? You know, the statistics, the, the ones that we have show that it's predominantly women, and that's the uh, what the world sees right now. But I don't want anyone to think that it does not happen to men. It does as well. So it happens to the young boys, and it happens to the entire male population. But, yes, the t- statistics right now show that it is more women than it is yeah. men. And what's the average age of a girl or a young woman who's stuck in the trade of sex trafficking? The kids start around, the majority age is around 12. You'll find them being groomed at that age, though there are some that are younger as well, and they go up. There's no age limit, but what they do is they will recycle them, and once the recycling stops and there's no further use, they turn their bodies out to either reproduce or they sell organs and they turn it into a different form of trafficking. Oh, my God. That's, that's, that's disgusting. That's right. It's, an, it's modern-day slavery at its worst. Wow. Now, how did you get involved in this? I volunteered when I was a young lady and then um, got involved, kept going on. And then as I uh, became more educated, I analyzed programs and then eventually put one together with a group of people who... Uh, we're capable of putting together a much-needed area that was missing within the whole program. So we put together attorneys and certified life coaches to provide to the victims. But we have seen in our own um, assistance from young girls all the way up to young boys, all the way up to women and men over age 50. 
My Lord. My, you, you know, something else. I mean, I, I've just I've already been educated without even being interview, having a chance to interview you yet. I have been educated in the last couple of days by looking at your site. As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, beststoptrafficking.org. Go there. there. There's so many things on here that will shock you. I I also had no idea because we don't think this happens in the United States of America that a lot of these people get involved in sex trade via bullies and gangs. Explain that, because that was shocking for me to hear. You know, that, I'm so glad you asked that question, because that's what the kids need to know. And we go out and we actually train within, starting with the preschoolers, going all the way up on awareness and how to say no. Gangs infiltrate the school systems, and they start out, some gangs are wise guy oriented and some are actually part of organized crime and they start the indoctrination program and you know kids are vulnerable and kids come in and they are indoctrinated and groomed and we teach them how to say no what to say no to we have a mentoring program which starts all the way from the preschoolers going on up to graduate level school and law schools and they always have somebody to reach we give them a best and and we teach them exactly how to say no. These kids are indoctrinated. They give them tattoos. The tattoos show that they belong to a specific gang. Then that goes further, and it shows they have a specific pimp. And then that goes further, and uh, they get moved around, and then they become the the ones that start the indoctrination. Mm. So so in schools, we have gangs and bullies. And how how does the bully differentiate from the gang when when they're going out and searching for kids to put into the sex trade? They look at the vulnerable children, those at risk, those that maybe artistic who want to stay by themselves, who aren't the typical uh, mm. group. I want to be a cheerleader. Uh, maybe I want to be right. a chess player. Those who may be more mentally oriented, isolated, not those that are in the popularity contest. However, when they go towards the ones that are extremely popular, they will start the bullying process there by saying, okay, they have a dance gender groups, and they will say, right. well, your girlfriend's in it. Don't you want to be in it? And then they start the peer pressure going, and right. they will wean out the ones who just can't deal with it and move them and identify what's wrong and how to pull them out. Then they start to offer them peace offerings. Well, why don't I take you out for some pizza, or why don't I right. get your hair done? And they start to move them up the ladder, for making them mm. fall in love with them and become reliant upon them. And that's the grooming that you've mentioned that word several times, the grooming. Right, the indoctrination process. And, of course, what I'm talking about is light, because there are such severe control methods that they do use, but it's, that's the light phase one, yeah. where they yeah. fall in love. They get them to trust the right. alleged pimp. And right. uh, at that point in time, they'll say, gee, well, why don't you go away with me for the mm. weekend? And then once they go away, well, then why don't they force them to have sex with um, their friends saying, well, if you love me, therefore you will. So right. it's no different than your typical bad relationship, except yeah, that it, it turns like... into slavery, which is far more horrific, and there's no oh. choice. Yeah. Now, Linda, uh, did you see the movie Taken with Liam yeah. Neeson? Okay. Yes, I it, did. I, uh-huh. 
And is that like you know, ladies and gentlemen, if you if you saw that movie, and then they just did Taken Two, but if you like, how close to that is being real? Is that real? Do you, is that real? I will tell yeah. you this. And I saw that the words of the young lady when she was under the bed when her dad said, "Don't fight it, just go with it. They're yeah. going to take you. Don't fight it, just go with it. They are yeah. taking you." Could not have been more true. Hmm. So yes, I mean, except for of course, you know, everybody having a dad is going to explode cars. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that right. doesn't mean they don't have a dad who's going to feel like they could. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes, right. Um, it is very true that that actually happens, and mm. it does happen right under your nose, and I, nobody should be misled because it. That was a young college student going right. away with her friend. And that's right. exactly who's out there. It's not just your stereotypical um, sex trafficking victim that's portrayed on a poster. It's anybody can be trafficked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're talking with uh, Linda Sullivan, who's co-founder and president of BEST, B-E-S-T, BestStopTrafficking.org. We're talking about sex trafficking in the USA, 150,000. Individuals, sex slaves in the United States since 2001. We're going to come back with Linda to find out more. And then also about what their organization is doing to stop all of this and to help the girls and the boys and the men and the women that are trapped. 1-800-548-8255. You're tuned into America's Positive Radio Talk Show, bringing you solutions to the world's challenges. All at TalkDavid.com. I'm David Essel. Stay right there. Yeah, bringing you ideas and thoughts so that you can rock this world and create your own Hall of Fame, ladies and gentlemen. David Essel in the box with you, 1-800-548-8255. My guest, Linda Sullivan, the co-founder and president of Best Stop trafficking.org it's all about stopping sex trafficking 150,000 sex slaves in the USA alone since 2001 Linda you know what um, I I remember a couple years ago and I do not remember the city in Florida but there was a bust of a sex trafficking trade system and but they were bringing young girls up from the south from Mexico Guatemala something like that and that's that's that would be the the vision I have what what percentage of that vision is true versus it being Americans in the sex trade? You know, I don't want to say, you know, exactly percentage-wise, like is it 50%, yeah. 25%, but I will tell you that it probably is more than about 50%. But you need to understand, David, and that's like great that you brought that up, is that sometimes the domestic us from the U.S., we are moved out of the country and brought back in. Oh. Okay, so please don't think that um, these victims are not transported across country lines. 
given different documentation and brought back. I have one victim who was actually brought to Haiti, then to Mexico, and then back to California. Wow. So it's blended. Yeah. But you will find, you know, that they do come uh, with groups across. And then we also have the reverse, which is sex tourism, where they actually bring the Johns across the borders internationally from the U.S. to, say, orphanages across the country lines. Wow. So and this is so much perverted, mm. and um, yeah. I don't know what we've come to, but we're definitely not doing what we're supposed to do as human beings. Yes. Uh, you, though, however, are doing a great job as human beings. <laughs> thank you. Coaches, I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you, Linda. Thank you, honey. Hey, um, we, we've got about six minutes left. I want to take sure. a couple minutes to have you tell a story, a specific story I heard about, and then the last couple minutes, what your organization, beststoptrafficking.org, is doing but i heard recently that you went to atlanta to rescue a young girl and and t- i could get the story wrong so correct me if i'm wrong whose parents were behind putting her into sex trade is that true okay um First of all, we um, have many stories like that, but yes, I did recently leave Florida and made arrangements to pick up one of these now survivors, Mm. and uh, she was actually brought into this trafficking horror by one of her parents, and I did bring her back, and she is now very safe, and mm. she is moving forward with her life, and we at best are providing her with everything that she needs to go forward. And one of the key things that Best does, and we, if, if anybody gets anything out of what we do, I want them to understand that we give them free lawyers and free life coaches that work under the lawyer privilege because most survivors, which they're also, which they like to be called as well because they live, they're alive. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, they're victims, but if they make it, they survived. Right um, on. Have as actually, um, are not aware they're entitled to attorneys to protect their rights because when they are being trafficked, they're forced into committing other crimes as part of the coercion and control methodology that the traffickers use to scare them. Right. So we don't want them to speak to or be interrogated by, say, prosecutors without the attorney there. This way we can get accurate information and assist law enforcement with actually getting that correct information and give it to prosecutors appropriately with the client's consent. So so these survive. So when you find a girl or a woman or a boy or a man that's been in the sex trade, trafficking trade, and, and you quote-unquote rescue them, then you obviously give them attorneys for free, and you, and you coach them because you're a certified coach yourself. That's right. That's right. And um, if I did anything in my life, that's like one of the greatest things that we do, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a fantastic, fantastic um, career. Uh, yes, yeah. and they do need that because it's very important that, as you know, as was the master coach, that mm. we you know work with them. It's collaborative, and they put together their own program going forward, as opposed to a psychotherapist who would analyze them. And but we do give them that therapy as well. We do have professionals of. Um, that we assign to them in that area and medical area as well. But they right. definitely get a coach that stays with them 
going forward for as long as they both shall live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Now, Linda, you know, I, I've worked with strippers before that wanted uh-huh. to get out of the business, right? Mm-hmm. And. And and strippers that want to get out, some of them go down a path of prostitution, escort service. Some of them don't. Anyway, we work with them. We get them out. But here's the greatest thing that we've found in the last 20 years in working with women that are trying to get out of that is that they are so tempted because making the money that they can make by working in the real world compared to what they could make either as an escort or on stage is minimal. So we'll get them clean. We'll get them free of drugs, alcohol. They'll get a job. We'll do all this work. But then they're tempted, and and many times they'll go back to the trade for the money. Are are any of your survivors that you work with tempted in the same way? Everyone will have that temptation because logically, it's the lower back. First of all, you know their bodies become addicted, so right. there's a lower back to what they call the life. Um, as far as the earning capacity, uh, at the earlier time, they will want to go back because the money's good. Mm-hmm. And in their mind, while they're still unsecure about what's going to happen to them, they may say, well, gee, you know, if I go back in one day, I could pay this bill. However, right. we do give them the services so that they don't need to do that and the support group so that they don't need to do that. And that's very important. Um, but mm-hmm. what you're doing is fantastic. You're working with those who are out there, whether by choice or not, and they want to leave. Sometimes they started going into the stripping um, arena because they were f- younger when they were trafficked. Some are not, but mm-hmm. some were actually trafficked and ended up there and can't get out. So if you find any of those, please give us a call so we can help. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The name of the organization, of course, once again, we're talking with Linda Sullivan for more information on her organization. And if you want to help support her work, Absolutely do that. Beststoptrafficking.org. Beststoptrafficking.org. 60 seconds, Linda. Do you want to give us a a final 60-second discussion about what you're doing? Sure. We're out there, and if you know a victim, we have a hotline. It's 855-BEST-811. Nobody will be reported on giving us that information. We just want to help out. We have a judge's referral line where judges call us as well. And um, we are out there. We have great programs for them. They do get a free lawyer, free certified coach, and we do get them the best uh, services we possibly can, and we do protect them. So, beststoptrafficking.org, and David, you are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Linda. (laughs) Linda, it was wonderful having you on the show. I'm so glad that you could educate myself and the world with what you're doing and the need to get this information out. So, keep rocking on, honey. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye now. 1-800-548-8255. Again, I'm going to give the website out. This is an organization you can go help, learn about. If you choose, help them out in any way you can, beststoptrafficking.org. If you know of anyone that's ever stuck in this trade, beststoptrafficking.org. Remember this, too, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you're in that or you're just having your own challenges in life, at any given time in life, on any given day, if you make the this is how powerful you are as a human being. If you make the choice to reach out for help, if it's to lose the weight, to release an addiction, to make more money, to get out of debt, to find a new career, any day that you make the choice that now's the time 
you can radically change your life. It all takes that first step of asking for help. And all of us who are successful in life, every person I've ever interviewed on this radio show, from rock stars like Meatloaf, Kenny Loggins, to actresses and actors, to multi-crillionaires, they've all done the same thing. Or bodybuilders, oh my gosh, they've all done the same thing. At some point in their life, when they made that decision to go to the next level, they've asked for help. Please do not hesitate to do that in your life in order to create the life you desire, to create the desire to get what you want out of life. It starts by asking for help, and I hope you'll do that right now. Don't forget also to like us on Facebook, David Essel Live. We give free motivational tips out seven days a week, and listen to all of our archive shows from XM at our website, talkdavid.com. I'm David Essel. So much more to come. Stay right there.